it was autumn in 1985 and I was at boarding school. I was 16 and I was in the lower sixth with my friends. We <clears throat> we'd all just moved into the sixth form block which was a privilege and it was a privilege to sleep there because we had rooms of two and we'd been in big dorms. We were very excited about it. It was a new block. Um, I shared a room with my friend and um, yeah, we were all having fun. We just started our A-levels and boarding school was our home. It was our home. It was our family. Um, I only realise that now, but it really was. Even at the time, we were close. We were all like sisters um, and lots of ups and downs. And I'd been there since I was 11. And uh, we were friends with <clears throat> mostly people in our year group, but the year above us were a lovely group of friends to us. And um, we had loads of fun together. We shared shared uh, friends at the local boys' schools and did loads of hanging out, <clears throat> smoking fags on cliff tops and in the gardens and, you know, things were quite light and fun. Um, and there was stuff going on, you know, some girls had anorexia, some girls had parents that were divorcing and things. And one of my friends had a parent parents that were divorcing in the year above and she was living just down the corridor from us. Um, she wasn't so happy to be in the new block because she hadn't been made a house captain, she hadn't been made a prefect and these were all really important things because they were your identity and and you look forward to them all the time you were young at the school you look forward to all those things. And she hadn't been made a captain, she hadn't been made a prefect. And if you were a prefect, you were in charge of some of the smaller kids and you helped with them and you slept in a different, in the old building, which was quite far away, really, in terms of bedrooms. So she had to put up with us and we became friends. Um, it soon became clear that she was a pretty intense person. I remember she was writing a book called The Living Psyche. Um... And she was quite into um, having her fortune told. She would, <clears throat> she'd been to see a couple of them. And uh, her parents were divorcing. She was very beautiful. Very beautiful. And she lived in, in the holidays, I think she lived in Kensington. I always remember that. Um, and, yeah, she was sad, though. She hadn't been made... This pre was prefect, which we all wanted to be. I was never made a prefect either, but I wasn't to know that till the next year. Um, and I knew a couple of things about her. We'd got to know her a little bit. But the main thing I knew was that she was sad because she hadn't been made a prefect and that she was sad because her parents were divorcing and they were obviously fighting over her. And she was an only child. And um, one night we used to sit on our windowsills in the building and we would sit and look out of the window and it was beautiful grounds and it was sort of, you know, nearly time for lights out and um, <clears throat> I think we were having a fag actually. I think it might have been, I think lights might have been taken. Anyway, we were sitting there 
Um, and there was someone said, Anna's someone's gone missing. She's missing. Anna's missing. She's not in her bedroom. And there was a lot of kind of where is she, where is she, and it settled down, people went to bed, and then we went back up and sat on our windowsill, me and my friend, and we looked down, <clears throat> and I thought I saw, I thought I saw her, and we were three stories up, and I remember just thinking, it looks like Ophelia, we've been doing Hamlet, and from Millet's painting, I thought it was Ophelia. It wasn't, it was Anna. And she was, she was on the floor outside and lying, looking beautiful. And uh, she had jumped out of her window. And we raised the alarm. And there was a lot of, you know, I can't really remember what happened to us, but we, we weren't allowed to be in the bedroom, we weren't allowed to look. A matron came and she had died. She had died and there was there was blood around her head. And um, we weren't allowed to look. And she, we went to the common room. We had to go and spend the night in the common room and I have never been so scared. You know, <clears throat> when someone dies, there's like the shadow of death comes and it's so scary. And that was my really my first experience of this sort of shadow that comes after someone dies, this fear. Um, when we spent a horrible night in the in the <coughs> common room without any staff, no one was there with us. We just remember being on our own, and we there was this sort of weird adrenaline that comes too, and so we were sort of buzzing in a way, you know, it's, could it be true? It's sort of unbelievable, unbelievable, and we were so scared. And we, <coughs> we spent this night, and um, in the morning, we all had to go to assembly. Um, and I just remember everyone in assembly so shocked, the word must have flown around, and the staff used to sit on the stage, <coughs> we'd all sit on the floor, and I can remember they just couldn't sit there. They, some of them had to walk out, especially the art teacher, who and I had been so close to. And um, they were all so distressed. And anyway, they attempted to sort of make an assembly, and I can't remember anything of what they said. And then we were told we weren't allowed to call home. They obviously wanted to handle this incident. Oh, I think. And we weren't allowed to call home, but I went into the phone box and I reversed the charges to my mum. And um, I just had to speak to her about it. And I, I don't think anyone, we could never really believe it. And I still, even in telling this, can't really believe it now. But she did die. I did check years later. And um, it was so sad. Um, and there was a horrible suggestion later that there was some accident or she was pushed or an argument, but no, I don't think that's what happened. Um, and we weren't allowed to look and we wanted to lay, lay flowers around <coughs> where she'd been and we went there and the teacher that lived in the flat outside of where she'd been um, told us to go away and it was just 
there was just nowhere to go with it. We just had to kind of think about that. And, and then there was a two moments spring to mind. There was a, um, a memorial service at the church that we used to go to with school. And that was the first time I saw a, a grown man really crying. Um, it was a memorial for Anna and um, it must have been her uncle or something, I think. I remember someone saying, and it was, memories are so fuzzy, but it was so hard to understand. And, uh, and then we weren't really allowed to talk about it. We used to sit in the library and try and talk about it with one of the more approachable teachers. And uh, everyone was in such shock. And the letter did go home to our parents. And we uh, we just tried to deal with it and wonder why. And um, it turned out that she'd been, <coughs> some fortune tellers had told her that she would die before she was 18 and one before she was 21. Um, well, that's apparently what happened. And uh, I think she had a boyfriend, too. And she she was obviously just living this whole parallel life within school, having her doing school and then having this other, these thoughts that she was trying to write in a book. And she was so lonely, so lost. Maybe um, it was <clears throat> such a shock, and I can remember being ushered out, ushered out of the uh, corridor when her mum came to collect her stuff, and it was in back bags. And I, oh, so painful to think about it, and um, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. We had to get on, and we had to turn back to our studies, but it affected everyone. And <clears throat> years later, I checked death records to see if it really happened. There was something so surreal about it. Um, and just this terrible sense of loss, even all this time from such a young life. Boarding school <clears throat> was my home. It's where I first experienced a death, where I first experienced um, kind of freedom, actually, because we could uh, just completely go under the radar and the staff didn't seem to really have a clue what we were doing. Smoking outside, growing pot on the windowsill, uh, sneaking out after lights. It was brilliant fun. Anyway, on the morn, <clears throat> when we were about 17, we used to go into the town and there was a coffee shop called Forts and we could make a coffee last for about six hours or so. And in those days we could all smoke in the coffee shop for hours and no one cared. And there were all sorts of stories about people doing things under tables that they shouldn't have been doing and God knows what. But me and my friend for the sake of this story, I'll call Hamster. I was called Kitten. So Hamster and Kitten 
we used to go to this place and we met these guys and we were pretty naive schoolgirls, just out to have some fun, feeling quite frisky and we met these guys and we called them the fortune tellers and the fortune tellers were really tall, they were six foot more than six foot I think, lanky and they wore like leather outfits and one of them had bleached hair and one of them had dark hair, dyed black hair, longish and they spoke with a bit of a west country accent they were a bit weird and so they called us Hamster and Kitten and I was called Kitten because I had starry eyes and we, um, we met them in forts and they were so weird but they were fun and they had cars and they were about 30 and we were about 16 or 17 um, and yeah they were I don't know what they wanted but anyway we, we arranged to meet them we would oh, I can remember we went off in their cars we went walking around Bournemouth with them and they, they were kind of challenging and they wanted to kiss us and they wanted to you know, do everything else, and it never quite happened. It was always we were always they were always slightly challenging us, and there was that sort of excitement about being with them because we never quite knew what they were going to say next. I don't remember what we really did with them. I can remember once going to one of them's house. One they had there was a brother, and it was the there was a brother who was even weirder. Yeah, and the brother. Um, took us to his house and he made us quite a weird meal in a big Tupperware bowl and I can remember he put all this healthy stuff in and then he put frankfurters on top it was all a bit odd and we ate it from this big massive Tupperware bowl and um, and they were so weird they would just kind of be there prowling around the town prowling around us in their strange outfits and could never quite work out but this brother was a window cleaner and <coughs> we spent quite a bit of time with him he'd fantasise about having sex on the beach with us it was all a bit odd or normal, I don't know we never did but we talked about it and it was quite strange and he was always trying to convince us to come with him and do that and um, we didn't but there was the tease I suppose I don't know but then things happened at school and um, we had to, used to have this school ball at the end of the year. And it was a big event. It was at, not in school, it was in the local, what they call the pavilion. And um, we would all get dressed up and uh, rent a gent from the boys' school. Or if you even had a boyfriend, you might bring him. And... Um, Anyway, we wanted to get revenge on a teacher because apparently, I didn't even do geography, but apparently she taught the wrong syllabus. And so it's, we spun a plan in our minds that we would uh, do something to her at this ball. And with this guy, the window cleaner, brother, person, we hashed a plan. And um, I, we would, so we go to his house and we said we want him to come and be a, a sort of uh, stripper act at the ball for this teacher. Bear in mind, they were really stuffy. It was a stuffy old school. Um, n no one could tell whether the teachers had ever had sex with anyone in their life or whatever. I don't, no one knew. It was all a bit odd. And they uh, 
the teachers were oh, just I don't know they were such a strange mixture of people um, but anyway this one we didn't like her and she'd been she'd annoyed us all the time and we, we used to think she was looking at us when she got we got undressed and we used to think that she was a bit weird and we wanted revenge because she'd apparently taught the wrong syllabus so we cooked up this plan so we went to this guy's house and we would we talked about he could come dressed as a sort of tramp and come to the ball we'd all be on our ball dresses and he and and then he, he could sort of strip and we're like how could he do that you know transform into sort of lover boy that was the idea but then what ended up happen, happening was that we ended up making this massive willy out of papier-mâché with him. It had flashing light bulbs for balls and it squirted water and it had some sort of hair around it. And he strapped it on his sort of trousers and he came, we gave him a letter um, allowing him into the ball because I was the social secretary for the school. I used to arrange all the parties and I typed him or written him out a letter and said, you may come in and, you know, give your special treat to so-and-so. So he came in. On the stage, probably about 250, 300 people there, parents, the lot, teachers, governors. It was all terribly posh. Anyway, this tramp comes on stage and he's like, I've got a... I've got a surprise for so-and-so. And she came up to the stage and he basically flashed this giant papier-mâché penis and it sprayed her with water. And it was the most hysterical thing. My parents were laughing. And, yeah, she went back to her seat. She was shocked and everyone was shocked. And anyway, we carried on with our evening. And it was so funny. And we... I only told this one friend, and um, no one knew, or so we thought. But then the next day there was an investigation, and we didn't really care anymore because we were leaving school. Someone told on me, and um, I was asked to leave early. Um, I didn't really care. Anyway, I wasn't allowed back, um, which broke my heart because it was my home. It was horrible. I wasn't allowed back to school. Um, but the funniest thing is, years later, years later, I was for some reason watching the Tory party conference, and I saw him, the weird brother of the fortune tellers, speaking at the Tory party conference.